Hello, I'm Dom Hennequin and welcome to Cinema Crowd. Today we review a two hour long window into the world of a small Mexico City neighbourhood in the 1970s. Alfonso Caron's Roma is a semi-autobiographical look at what life was like in the area that he grew up in, specifically for Cleo, a young indigenous servant working for a white family. While the plot is simple, the cinematography is epic, exploring the vast landscape surrounding the gated house the family lives in, drawing comparisons to a Fellini film. It won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival, two Golden Globes, and four Critics' Choice Awards. And now, Netflix, who distributed it, will be hoping it can become the first foreign language film to win the Oscar for Best Picture. But can it do it? I sat down with Jemima Bucknell to find out. Jemima, hello. Hello, Dom. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, let's talk about Roma. And just before we even get started, spoiler alert, we will be going through a lot of the plot yeah, of in this Yeah, in graphic, film. awful detail as well. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Because some of it is nasty. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so this is Alfonso Caron, and it seems to be rather personal, like quite autobiographical by yes. the sounds of things. Um, what did you think of the film? Uh, well, I mean... Jeez, it's so hard. I guess we, we're doing this an Oscars context kind of podcast. So what did I think of the film in terms of Oscar stuff? Very positive. Uh, in terms of me personally, I, I, I think it looked beautiful. I loved the sound design as well. And I think everyone in it was doing a fantastic job. The children were amazing. Like, I think everything looked supernatural and... As in not supernatural, just, I mean, Very superbly natural. natural yes. <laughs> um, and the monochrome was beautiful. And I think probably my favorite scene was the first time he tried to park that car in the driveway. Yeah. And, uh, but I guess my issue, and I don't know if you feel the same way or if it's something you notice, I just don't think that Cleo had a lot of personality or any kind of, I mean, essentially, you see a kind of break of her at the end of the film, certainly, in terms of a wish or desire, but there's nothing in that the entire film. And for me, I see this as a family going through a divorce or breakup, and there's this sort of... Uh, the maid is kind of in the peripheries, and everything happens to her. She actually has no control over her fate or existence, and I don't know. I just think in terms of perhaps even what it resembles like a you know a European sort of like Godard or whatever there's at least a real push and pull over choices and freedoms and fate whereas I didn't get it in Roma what do you think um well let's set the scene a little bit Roma is set in Mexico City it's the name of the neighborhood that Mm. um everything is set in in this film uh I believe it's the same neighborhood that Kaon Caron himself grew up in. Yes. Um, and it centers around this family um, with, I think it's three boys, one girl. They all kind of mix in. Mm. They mix in with other families. A grandmother. A grandmother, um, a wife um, slash mother, and then a father who is only present for a little bit of the film here and there. And then the two maids, um, the two servants, Cleo uh, and Adela. Yeah, yeah. And Adela. And the film really centers around Cleo. And we see a lot of 
things either through Cleo's eyes or just sort of from... I think Cleo is a witness, but I don't necessarily think that her perspective yeah, is there. Yeah, she's a witness, but sense. we're also a witness. We're almost yeah. like we're another passenger along for the ride. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it does a really good job of uh, being an experience, setting the scene right from the beginning very slowly and uh, not necessarily promising to take you anywhere No. I mean, it's set in the sort of 70s, the early 70s, 70, 71. 70 and 71. Yeah, and, I mean, you've got the student riots, which, unfortunately, I have no idea what they're about um, (laughs) because I didn't look into it and because, of course, I'm not a Mexican and knowing that particular Mm. part of history in that neighbourhood is... You know, obviously very specific. So, I mean, there's a lot of personal historic sort of things going on in this film as well that perhaps uh, makes it more for a Mexican audience than a global audience. But then again, I'm like, here we are at the Oscars and what, you know, uh, what is this film communicating to people, I guess, about Mexico or about... Or about filmmaking, as filmmakers like to make films about filmmaking, mm. um, about women, or uh, yeah, yeah. Because I think there's definitely that that in itself was an interesting filmmaking choice to not really give too much context over what we were seeing there. There's mm. numerous points where you know you have those student riots that end, spoiler alert, with you know people dying on the street. Uh, people being killed in front of you, you know, it's mm. got, it's almost like the film has all the production quality and the elements of what could be like a war um, film, like a big kind of blockbuster, but it's telling this quiet story that has yeah. strong, you know, big staging, big parts, especially mm. in that scene in it. But ultimately it's at the end of the day, quite a quiet story. It's told very quietly and scenes like that, we're not making a meal out of them they're just they're they're just kind of glances at this and that yeah of course the the i mean the sort of kind of penultimate event is this uh before the children's almost drowning is this um is this riot and cleo then goes into labor and gives birth to a dead child. So I'm like, they, they are very, very strong symbols that I'm unable to contextualize really. Mm. Like mm. if that makes sense, I'm like, you cannot have this major event unless it is pure documentary. And that is exactly what happened. I still don't, I don't really identify what, uh, what that is communicating as a film. But this is the other thing is Quaron has an interest in dead children or children not being born. We've seen that in children of men, obviously, uh, gravity. She is mourning the loss of this child. That's what the entire film is really about is this kind of limbo of, uh, post child, yeah. uh, mourning kind of, Where's that uh, come whatever. From? Has he lost a child? I no, this is the thing. I looked into that this morning because I was did like, did one of his siblings die or something like that? I don't think so. Yeah. No. So but, I mean, there's a very strong connection well, in their strong narrative mm, devices. Yeah, in all absolutely. Of those films. But I mean, I think as well that it's potentially borrowed from perhaps the story of of Cleo or the woman that Cleo is based on. Yeah. Which is an interesting idea, of course, like who he dedicates an, the film yes, to. Yes. He dedicates the film to also, I mean, and I'm sure she's very uh, 
well, I mean, I'm sure she's very grateful for the, you know, the legacy, so to speak. But I'm like, this is, uh, I'm still like, this is a middle class educated family sort of, you know, mining the working classes experiences and sort of, uh, you know, repurposing them to sort of fit their own needs. I think. A yeah. Bit. I, 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 I agree with that. Mm. Um, although we don't, you know, we don't know how, uh, much his generation possibly changed things or exactly what, you know, what his experience mm. with her was or what he was really trying to do there um but it did there is that risk mm. right and of course the thing is clear she doesn't she hardly speaks mm-hmm. like uh things are literally said to her and she has little or no interest or reaction to anything going on around the world like or anything going on around her family like adele is the one telling her like oh they're selling your mum's land or they're taking it away and she's just like oh i can't go see her like that's when um, the boy, what was his name? Famine, famine, famine. I can't remember the guy that knocked her up. Who? Yeah. Yeah. Um, his his scene of like when she's like, you know, I'm having your baby, and he's like, No, you're not. And if you ever say that again, I'll beat you. Like, yeah. And beat your baby. Yeah. We we didn't even get a reaction shot from her. The camera just follows him onto that truck, and like. <laughs> so could that be? Yes. Could that be on purpose, though? Because I find. I think I, that it's like you're. I'm, I'm. I find it. There's something convenient and cowardly to just not have a character have any reaction to the real trauma. Because I feel lives. like I was prepared for it because I had kind of heard, and I could be completely wrong here, but I feel like she was maybe not like maybe this is her first big film gig or maybe she's not um a professional actress normally possibly but i mean because i mean directors do that a lot though i mm. find well it's, it's easy to find you know another you know uh another working class person to sort of step into this role and sort of again use them however you please i don't know like because yeah yeah i totally get where you're going there like it, it, and again, in the context of mm. the Academy Awards, stuff like that, choices like that can often be quite um, welcome. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, this woman uh, who potentially was or is, you know, from that community, maybe is in a position like that, is kind of taken and plucked and put into this mm. context and try to make it as authentic as possible yeah. but i mean they also could be and i'll go look up whether she's actually a professional actress or not celia yeah. someone i believe her well um while but, you look at that i also yeah. want to make a point of um we have this awful birth scene um that is just simply is essentially a long shot of the doctors making no attempts to conceal from her that her baby is in jeopardy and that it is dead. Yeah. Um, very straightforward. Very graphic and unbelievable. Like you take, typically you take a child away from someone like that and you work on it in a separate space behind a curtain or something. The idea that we're just exposed to it. I mean, clearly that's the sort of like the brutality of the class divide that we're sort of going on. And, you know, you've got the doctor going like, oh, what's the patient's name? Like right in front of her and stuff. Like, I mean, that was all horrendous. But I'm like, you're happy to show that scene of like utter like depravity or whatever, but you can't show us her and this guy like having sex on like an afternoon or something like that. Like, Mm. and I'm like, 
the idea that like it's like I can't sexualize her um but I'm gonna show you a really graphic result of that as well and I'm kind of like you can't like I just don't think it's fair to pick and choose it's not a full life experience particularly like I have strong feelings about emitting sex when you are documenting a woman's life <laughs> like because yeah, I just think that there's something like particularly something when you're a man maybe. doing it yeah and her, like his relationship to that mm, character and also her possibly watching mother. it again yeah like he obviously mm, yeah. he probably wouldn't want to do a sex scene with this you know mm. it could be an 80 year old woman now like she might not want to see herself like I mean you know but um, that's and it uh, so the actress's name is Ialitza Apariccio I believe. Um, and she has no formal training in acting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of makes sense because whenever they do that in films as an actor myself, um, mm-hmm. but like you can normally kind of tell cause there's a bit of more of a reserved quality, yeah. which I definitely felt in this film. Although, you know, you do see, you know, you see the waves of it, but it's a very subtle mm. performance, but, but that's it. Like that she's could also quiet, be a choice. She's kind, she's pretty, she's possibly worked in a servant kind of role before it's kind of like that whole like you know the noble savage kind of thing kind of comes to mind a little bit with me I mean obviously it's I mean there's still there is a class and a maybe caste divide in Mexico it's not something I completely understand Mm -hmm. but I'm sort of like I still think I just don't think that she has a proper voice in this film and I think that there's something fundamentally wrong with that However, not going to be a problem at the Oscars at all. Like, no. and like, do you think that that's on purpose because that's what the era was? No, I think it's a failure on his part. And I mean, I also I've never identified with the women in Quaron films anyway. Like, I you know, typically they get brutalized or beaten or murdered or something like that. You know, or they're pregnant and like. I'm kind of like, there's just a little bit more, you know. And it's the same thing with what's-her-name who plays the pregnant girl in um, Children of Men. She doesn't say, what, three sentences the whole film, really? Mm. Like, uh, Sandra Bullock's up there pretty much in her own head the whole time, still not really talking much. Mm. That I hate that whole rebirth coming out of the ocean scene at the end of gravity and I was annoyed to see the family all getting together after this sort of brutality of the waves Mm -hmm. crashing and um but still I like I mean at the same time it was all very affecting and that I think is enough to sell it you know I cried when I was supposed to cry I was relieved when I was supposed to be relieved I laughed quite a bit with um if I want to say feminine it can't be his name though when he was doing his nude martial arts mm-hmm. like but I'm like at the same time as like this gag of this guy doing nude martial arts and then this awful threat that he makes to her later I'm just like it there's just there's a real abuse kind of narrative going on here and it's you know something like and you then might he see comes, in like you know he holds a gun up to her we find we you know the camera reveals yeah um during that uh student riots scene where some of those soldiers come into the shop yeah that they're all standing in Cleo That's included it. and it's, mm. he doesn't shoot her or anything but it's just a weird we see him in like three three or four little vignettes essentially mm. and then he's gone yeah um what did you think of Sophia the wife well i think she has complete she's i mean she's amazing she's got a personality she's a real person like you know 
she's angry, she's dramatic, she's got these wonderfully good intentions toward the children. Um, I adored the scene when she crashed the Ford like into Which the one? driveway. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, there was a lot of things that that, that galaxy, Ford Galaxy, really yeah. went through it, didn't it? But it did. um, when that first time that she drives in between those two trucks, and mm. she's just a little bit like off yeah, her head, a bit frazzled. Yeah, and just kind of it's it, what I I remember watching that and being like, what is she doing? Mm. Like she must be able to hear that, and she's just continuing to go. Yeah, does she not know how wide her car is? Is it even a road that she's driving on between these two cars, or mm. is she just is this an illustrate? You know, like everything in this film, every. Thing was a sign. Everything was a very focused kind of. Mm. Oh, you could tell early on that the father was missing, so to speak. Like there was something, you know, this thing. Well, I was a bit like, did he go to war? What's happened? Why is she so upset? I was. I immediately thought, like, he's a doctor. He's messing around. (laughs) That was just an ordinary like assumption. And um, I mean, who knows if that is true to his uh, upbringing as well? I have no idea. Mm, Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I don't know. There was that... I just think he does that scene uh, when the whole family are sitting down and watching TV and Cleo takes a cushion on the floor. Yeah, and Cleo's on the to, floor. While one of the kids just puts like, their arm around her. Yeah, and I'm like, I think that that sets up the tone for her complete portrayal during the film. And it's like, yep, yeah, you love her like a dog the whole time. Yeah. And she, go, she goes into the water and rescues you like a dog, like, at the end. Yeah. And I'm kind of like... I s- do you not see that? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, even if that's an accurate image, do you really want to put her on the floor in a film? Like if you, if the family is elevating and valuing her, I don't know. Absolutely. That's no. It. And they get home after that incident. And the first thing Sophia mm-hmm. says to her mother, who also lives with them is, uh, the kids almost drowned, but there's mm-hmm. no mention from her that Cleo saved them. Yeah. Cleo, who's like always been afraid to go into the water. Mm-hmm. I think the kids say it though, don't they? The kids say Some, it yeah, yeah, to each kids, other. Yeah, yeah, that's it. To the grandmother, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's very, yeah, that whole dynamic was very interesting. Um, what did you think about the location, though? And did you get uh, a sense of the neighbourhood no, well, through mean, the cinematography, through the sounds? It, it's, I mean, I can't say that I've seen a whole lot of films set in Mexico City, so I don't really have a reference for it. But um, it seemed a lot less uh, busy than I would have expected. And I guess because this is, you know, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. nearly 50. But, um, yeah, <laughs> that's like that. I didn't, I, I was like, I don't know, like the, the monochrome makes it look very Fellini. And I think that's I kind totally of the agree. idea. Yeah, And I calling totally it Romo and Fellini has a Roma, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, like. But that's so, what it felt like to me, yeah. although it was. It was, yeah, strange. Like it didn't, mm. didn't. It, it was curious. It's kind of more it like an, great. Uh, like an Amacord, which is the, is a it's a big kind of village Fellini film. I mean, mm. a lot of them are, but like, yeah, that's sort of the. I mean, you know, children running around and, I don't know. But, but the, the pace like, of it yeah. as well. But I guess as well though, it's like Fellini films. They they'll be set largely among you know the yeah the working class or the poor. Whereas this is a middle-class family, like they are in a gated house sort of with this, you know, fabulous like car that is too big 
for the neighborhood, like in order for it to be accommodated. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're living larger than they've got two maids, which I think just seems obscene. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a spotless house Mm-mm. aside from the dog droppings yes. in the driveway, which constantly gets talked about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, but did you notice that the dog was actually quite, um, neglected yeah i guess i well I, potentially I, that's because cleo is the dog yeah i guess i don't watch i don't i mean i noticed the shit in the driveway and i thought that clearly they got they keep the dog indoors as well but, like, why even, dog. but why have you a dog the if you don't have a backyard that's true yeah yeah all they do is hold the dog back while the car's coming in that's about the only time that you see it yeah yeah did they have a backyard though they had a rooftop where they put the washing uh, out and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just a courtyard. Mm, right. Yeah. So. What Oscars? What Oscars? Okay. So I look, cinematography just seems kind of obvious. I don't even know who shot it, actually. I'm going to look that up. Uh, I, it would be interesting if the woman who plays Cleo gets a nomination. I think that would be a very strange parading of her. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, well, maybe. Uh and it's, so, like, the whole gag of this film is that it could be the first foreign language film to win the Best Picture Oscar. Yeah. But that's if it's nominated in that category. Yeah. Because obviously it would win in a second if it was in Best Foreign Language Film. Yes. But... It is definitely the popular favourite there. Uh, I guess, I mean... In terms of what it's up against, like it might even be the best film. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. In terms of what they might otherwise be nominating. So that doesn't surprise me. And I think that it would be hard unless you don't like your black and white films, like for someone to watch that and not be very moved by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, again, it will be a popular favorite in that regard too. But I suppose Quaron's already won director before. And uh, the... if we think about that category, he would really be. It would really be him and Bradley Cooper, wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, and Quaron shot the film too, yeah. which I wasn't aware of until right this second. So, cheese. Yeah. I mean, to win like three or four Oscars for the one movie is a little bit intense. I don't think any acting ones are going to play out for this film, no. and that's just because we've got superstars. In um, yeah, exactly. And this isn't like a superstar mm. film like, or a star-making vehicle, I don't think. Yeah. Also, up until last year with The Shape of Water winning, the indication of whether or not you were going to be nominated for Best Picture came with the SAG Ensemble cast nominations. Mm. Now, they didn't get one for this mm. film. Yeah. Um, I feel like the favourite won that. Or was nominated in that. Yeah. Uh, And again, I think the favorite will be a very good contender for like the acting awards. Mm. So uh, it's interesting though, that I think it's possible that Roma could for the second year in a row, we may have a Mexican director winning for a film that doesn't have a SAG nomination or something. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it would be a very strange pattern all of a sudden. And of course it's going to be a Spanish language film, which is, yeah whatever cool i mean you know i remember i don't remember i can't tell you which film it was and i don't think holy motors ever won the oscar did it no 
I'm trying to think. It was a French director, and maybe it was the artist. No, it wasn't the artist because that didn't have any words. A guy that won Frenchman. I'm so sorry. I'm you know we'll tweet later what this guy <laughs> is. So at his speech though, he's like, he wins the best picture for a foreign language film, and he just says, he's like, this is not a foreign language. <laughs> like mm. it's my language. It's like what? Who determines? I'm like, and again, it's true. French is a diplomatic language. Spanish is a language spoken as a second or first language by the most people in the world, or something like that. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, it seems like it's probably time for us to sort of end this kind of English sort of supremacy at the Oscars, anyway, because it's like really, you know, in terms of population for the U.S. like specifically there are an, an enormous amount of Spanish speakers. So yeah. it's like, you know what? Hey, let it be, you know, let it be the leader. Let it take over. Like, let this be the first time. It's the, yeah, exactly. It's mm. the whole, like, the, the best picture in every year at the Oscars probably wasn't even nominated, probably wasn't even seen by Oscar voters, mm. probably wasn't even in English. Yeah. The Oscars isn't a an awards show that nominates the objectively, you know, best film that was ever created mm. at that, you know, in the last 12 months. It's it's the campaign. It's what's in the Hollywood sphere. Yeah. It's and he is usually in the a Hollywood sphere. Movie. Like, you know, he is, I think he's a popular favourite at this point. Um, I'm not really sure why. And I don't, like, when I say popular favourite, of course, I mean popular with Academy voters. I do not mean populists, like, because... I mean, you know, yeah, your average person on the street is. Your average person is not going to go see. The average person on the street, especially this year, is probably thinking mm. that Bradley Cooper is going to absolutely walk away with best actor, best director, because they've all seen A Star Is Born, and probably mm. no one will see Roma. No, it's quite like possible. a lot of people. And let's talk about that for a second. This would be if it won best picture, if it was nominated, this would be a big deal for Netflix because it's a Netflix funded and released film. Interesting. So it was, that was what I was going to ask. Cause I know it's obviously on Netflix now, but mm. I, and, and it was had, released to some cinemas. That's it. It did have a limited release even here as well. But, um, yeah, well it is, uh, who won at the Globes? So at the Globes, it was Bohemian Rhapsody that won yeah. best drama. Mm hmm. And best motion picture musical or comedy was won by Green Book, um, and Roma won uh, best foreign language film. Okay. Confined to its box, but Caron did win best director. Mm, mm, okay. Could he still win best director if he was in if Roma was nominated in best foreign language film? I just don't know because I just again I just feel like it's a category that it's like it's separate. I mean, you know, it really is connected to best picture. I don't understand how I think it will be. And I mean, you know, the, the other thing I would compare it to is like the animation category when you might get a rare instance of it being nominated as the animated film and then the uh, best picture as well. And of course it like definitely gets the animated film and is not getting best picture. But I think Mm. with Roma, it's like, no, this is going to be in the 10 and it would be, strange to even have it nominated in that category as well like i just don't know if it can qualify for both like if that no makes sense. yeah well i feel like yeah one needs to cancel out yeah. the other. so but um apparently netflix is spending like 25 million on its oscar campaign so it's a very good chance that it's going to be yeah uh, it sent out on. a real package to yeah. voters about and the Roma. film only cost 15 million so like i yeah. mean you know in terms of 
Oh, I mean, it's so hard with the the difference of how Netflix actually calculates its, you know, profitability or whatever, like yeah, with a subscription yeah. service. Well, they're, but, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a company, they're a Silicon Valley company mm. that is happy to go more and more in debt yeah. um, and borrow, you know, burn and burn and burn cash mm. um, to build their footprint. But yeah. could this be the way that films like this start to be funded. Yeah. I and I mean, question. could they move into, I mean, considering they did get some cinema releases as well. I'm just like, you know what? I mean, you're paying for that cinema ticket obviously, but it's like, well, why not, why not start a subscription service that might include cinematic, you know, attendance in some way? Like it's possible. I, see. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I mean, the thing I like about Netflix is that they're, they're selling entertainment and, I think that they at least approach enough different and varying filmmakers to give you this weird balance of, you know, kind of, I don't think that there's any agenda necessarily. And, you know, they, they like their auteurs just like Amazon do. And, you know, they happen to have picked more of the right ones than the wrong ones, I guess, as well. Yeah, and I think it's interesting watching Netflix and Amazon um, go for it with films. I mean, Amazon was the ones that produced uh, Manchester by the Sea a couple of years ago. They seem to have films up in there every few years. Yeah. Um, And Netflix are now doing the same, and this would be their first big Oscar hope, you would Mm. think. Um, But, yeah, they would have given cut on like so much freedom to make absolutely them, to just throwing the money at him yeah whatever you need make the film that mm. you want and that's what's come out of it so i yeah. think it's quite good i'd be curious to see who, who approached who so to speak because i guess that's the thing is netflix is just like yeah come on board do whatever you want and we'll you know <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll i hope so it. yeah yeah someone watch it Mm-mm. surely but yeah, so, I mean, look, that's it. I mean, maybe if you're scrolling through one day and New Roma starts playing randomly after you've watched whatever Mexican crime thriller you're into or something like and that. Like, Gravity or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, maybe it'll autoplay and then you'll just be like, oh, hey, I guess I'm watching this great, beautiful movie right now. And, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I think it has a really, really strong chance of being a Best Picture winner, actually. Yeah. And... Do I feel any stronger about it over A Star Is Born? I couldn't tell you. Like, I personally, I, I see faults in both films, but I also am not so offended by either of them either. Like, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, I think with A Star Is Born, I just don't feel like it needs to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Like, its award very much is the amount of money that it made and the buzz that's gotten and, you know, like all the people that are fans of Lady Gaga yeah. and Bradley Cooper, you know, are the more popular, it's the populist choice, right? Because most people have seen it. So it doesn't need to win Best Picture, I mm-hmm. don't think. In their minds, like, they will probably always look at this year's Oscars and assume that it won Best Picture. But like, like as is the case with every A Star Is Born so far, it never really does that well at the Oscars, like at the actual ceremony at the end of the day. No, because it always seems like a vanity project by a couple of people. Beho- yeah, and they exactly. they are kind of like, just take it easy. Like- it's a showbiz film about yeah. showbiz, you know. Uh, so I think something that, you know, I think, you know, Roma is worthy enough to be the first foreign language film to I be... I think so too. To, ...to win the Best Picture Oscar. And I think, you know, overall it, um, it turns a film that 
it breaks the stereotype of what we normally see as a film about Mexico mm. and Mexican life, you know, being, you know, all browns and yellows and hot and all that kind of stuff. Does it, shoots it as a Fellini style yeah. film and um, tells a very subtle story in a way that um, I think ultimately really connected with me. So mm. I think it's as deserving as anything else that's up there and probably more deserving than the other possible nominees for this year um, to win Best Picture. Yeah. And you know what? That's good enough for me. Yeah, me too. Jemima Bucknell there. Next week, we take a look at The Favourite. Thank you.